August 23, 2019, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference, the third annual conference focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. Join over 500 of the most influential sales development leaders in our industry for a full day of learning, networking, and growing your skills. This year, we're offering three learning tracks focused on sales development leadership, rep training, and our newest track dedicated to sales and marketing operations. Grab your tickets today before it sells out over at 10bound.com conference. That's 10bound.com conference. See you August 23rd. You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of 10Bound at 10Bound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is going to be an awesome show. I have on here... Addison Lee, Director of Sales Development, Sales Development Leader with Conversica. How are you doing today, Addison? I am doing fantastic, David. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller, so uh, <laughs> great to be here. <laughs> nice. Nice, dude. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad that you're on the show. And I want to dig in real quick on your background, especially let's talk about this race car driver, you know, passion that you have. But if people don't know you, they haven't met you, tell us about yourself and how you got into sales development. <laughs> yes, always happy to get into race cars. I guess, you know, quick background and the the way I kind of got into the sales development world. Funny enough, uh, out of college, I actually was going into a career in real estate. It was in 2009 and not the best time to get into real estate. Any of you were around then, it was kind of the bottom of the market and one of the worst times uh, since I can remember. And ended up working for somebody in a uh, car-related business, which is you know kind of a big passion outside of work. Ran a business for three years. And uh, after that, through kind of connections in the car world, ended up working at Zora, which was my entry way into the tech world. And I started as an inbound SDR there. And haven't really looked back since. Been loving it in working in tech and the SDR world and kind of also have gone into marketing and the AE world uh, in the last six years as well, which we can maybe get into a little bit. But uh, that's the quick background. Nice, dude. And, you know, it's amazing. I was just talking about this, that the sales development is sort of like the connective tissue, you know, between all these different departments to make it work. So you got a, you got some background in sales, you're, you're touching on marketing, you're right in the SDR world, and you have an entrepreneurship background, which is really interesting. But yeah, tell me about the car racing, because that is, I, I <laughs> uh, not a long story, but I, I, I went out like 
this new CRO came in and his team building thing was to go out to this racetrack and drive these like super souped up go-karts. And <laughs> we had to go through this whole training process and like, you know, do all this stuff. And, and then we went out there and it was, it was, it was pretty intense, man. It was pretty freaky. And this was a go-kart. So race driving, how'd you get into that? And what was that like? Yeah. So I guess like most people who get into race car driving, uh, it was through my dad. <laughs> so it's a little <laughs> bit of a high barrier to entry in terms of kind of learning the ropes for you know the mechanical side of things, engineering side of things. It's a very interesting sport, unlike a lot of stick and ball sports where there's a there's a lot of things that go into it from you know those aspects of engineering and uh, working on things mechanically. And was lucky enough to get immersed into that world and kind of get. Uh, the fuel in my veins, as they say. And from basically elementary school, uh, have been into either kind of fixing up cars at a 65 Mustang and elementary school that my dad and I built and took that to the track a couple of times and got my racing license uh, before I had a driver's license to start playing around with uh, cars on the racetrack. And it's always been a, a big hobby of mine. And you know, I think there, there's actually interestingly a lot of ties into the business world and even specifically sales development, uh, which maybe we'll get into. But uh, I think uh, what I find is a lot of sports in general, uh, I think especially auto racing, a big part of it is kind of this uh, hyper focused or a lot of people call it a flow state or being in the zone. And I think that translates really well into being a really effective SDR, which uh, maybe we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But yeah, I want to dig in on that because, you you know, when you're in, on the racetrack, like the, the a couple of things that I think of when you mention that is you have to be super prepared. I mean, like you've got to have all your ducks in a row from a mechanic perspective and also like your your mindset has to be right for getting in that situation. And then, and then also like once you're in that situation, you can't be, you, you literally cannot be thinking about like, I'm going to screw this up. Like if, if you, you know, if that thought enters your head while you're going like 70 miles an hour around a hairpin turn, you're might die. Right. So it's like, how do you, I'm really curious. How do you take that, those things and, and the other life lessons and stuff from race car driving and put them into the sales development world. Yeah. You, you really don't want to be thinking about whether you tightened your lug nuts, uh, coming into turn two at Laguna Seca, uh, <laughs> at 140 right. miles an hour. So, you know, maybe, uh, some could argue that it's, there's a part of the brain missing that has that kind of <laughs> that concern. But I think, you know, since uh, a lot of us race car drivers are uh, still alive and not injured, you know, I think one could also argue that uh, there there is this element of preparedness and really kind of focus, right? I think it really comes back to focus where, yes, you there's a lot of things you could be thinking about, worrying about out uh, when you're on the track and lots of things where you, you know, you can look at your gauges, you can look at behind you or in front of you or around the corner, but really figuring out kind of where to focus and what to think about and wipe everything else aside is really important. And that's, I think if you 
look at a lot of successful race car drivers. And interestingly, there are quite a few uh, professional and also just amateur race car drivers in the tech world and uh, people at pretty high levels. In fact, the I think the CEO of CrowdStrike and quite a few other people are uh, huge into auto racing. I think it's a common attribute that drives success, having that hyper focus and being able to kind of wipe everything aside to really buckle down and concentrate on kind of similar cognitive tasks is how it kind of related back to uh, the business world. Yeah, dude, exactly. Because, and and it just makes me think, like, I heard that the golf industry is dying because who's got like three hours to go out there and walk around. And, and also the real high powered CEOs now, you know, they, they do like auto racing and jumping out of airplanes and like street sports. (laughs) So, So like the golf industry is just hurting right now. But anyways, and I think that, you know, from an SDR perspective, like there's so many distractions and there's so many pulls for your time and attention. And the correlation with auto racing is like, you know, if, if you can take some of that into your daily life from an SDR perspective, you could, you could just like blow away your competition because the real competition is focus. It seems like. Yeah. And you know, every team, I've either been on or run in the SDR world. It's a it's a huge thing, you know, figuring out how you're going to focus people on on a team. And I think most companies, especially today, have pretty open floor plans. And this is something in building the team here at Conversco we've uh, struggled with from the start. And I think we've uh, put some stuff in place to really make some big improvements. And uh, in fact, we even have kind of in the zone times. And uh, people, you know, everybody has kind of their different ways of how they either let other people know that they're in the zone or, you know, have their kind of calendar blocked, things like that. But there's so much data out there um, that shows how big of an improvement it is to really set time aside to do like cognitive tasks. And that's your world, right? What that means, building out contacts, right? If you start to build out a couple contacts and then you start to call them or create messaging for them. And then you switch to doing, doing some other tasks, like maybe, uh, you know, meeting with your AE, you're going to be all over the place mentally. And I think the data shows it's something like 50% less efficient when you don't spend more than 30 minute, 30 to 60 minutes spent doing light cognitive tasks. So the, you know, different cognitive tasks would be things like, building contacts, creating messages, being on the phone and uh, making calls, you know, meeting with your AEs, uh, researching accounts, all those different things should kind of be uh, blocked into different time buckets. And don't answer emails as they come in as you're doing those. Don't go on Instagram and uh, like a bunch of stuff, you know, just block everything out else out. And it's amazing to see improvements in people. And again, it's data pretty clearly shows it's something like 50% efficiency gains when you can really, really uh, do that. Amen. Amen. If you're out there, try this. Like just, you know, go on your on your calendar and look out in advance to next week or the week after and start just making huge blocks of time that you're only going to monotask. You know, <laughs> um, that that's I mean, just in anybody, like even if you're not an SDR, I mean, like breaking down your top 
tasks that get you the most uh, results and then really being guarded as much as you can with your calendar. Your calendar is where it's at because you can block it out and then as different things come in, you can be like, hey, you know, I got I to gotta weigh what my priorities are. So, I mean, and that's, that's something that you take from, from racing. Now, how as a leader, as an SDR leader, you know, is it more like you teach your team this and you hope that they implement it? Or, I mean, how granular can you get as far as like micromanaging? Do you actually walk around and, and you go, Hey, when's your focus time? Like, what are you doing? You know, cause I think people, you know, they look at, they look at these, like, so say they do step one, it's like, I'm going to cold call for like two hours. And then they look at their calendar and they're like, Ugh, that's kind of hard. I'm going to do Instagram instead, because that feels good right now, instead of the hard stuff that's going to help me. So how, how do you manage that as a leader? Yeah. So I, I follow all of my reps on Instagram and I have a bull whip and I give them <laughs> lashings for every, no, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you heard it the, here first folks, <laughs> SDR leadership tip of the day. <laughs> no. So it's one of those things, you know, you can only tell people to do things so much. I think what I've found is you, you've really got, got to get people bought in on the idea that this is something that's going to help them or else it's going to be short lived. Right. I think I've seen a lot of changes made where it's kind of a force fed approach where we say, Hey, we're going to do power hours two times a day, every day. And, you know, after the first three days, yeah, it kind of falls to the wayside and people go back to their normal pattern, even if it's blocked on their calendar. However, if, you can really get people to believe and see for themselves that this is a strategy that works and they see results from other people that are doing it. Well, you know, in this kind of eat what you kill world of sales, it will come naturally that people start to do this. Right. So that that's more of the approach that I try to take. And uh, I think it's been working pretty well over here. Yeah. And, and it seems like if you get the right people on board, you know, that kind of bring that mindset before they even come in. And then you reinforce that, like, it's a lot easier than trying to, like, it's a lot easier to hold somebody back than push them, you know, off the couch, you know? So it's like, it also comes back to who is on your team. Are they the type of people that would take that advice? Yes, absolutely. Uh, hiring strategy is one of the most important things, uh, I think, as a sales development leader, because then everything falls downstream from that. So yeah. uh, great point. Yep. And and you mentioned the open floor plan. I want to talk about that because I'm, I'm from the old days when we had cubicles. Nobody probably on the, this knows what those are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I found, I found that open floor plans were just horrible as far as for productivity and like trying to, trying to focus on what you're doing. And, and so tell me about what are your thoughts? What do you guys do? And what do you think of those? Yeah, it's, I think it's, one of those things from being at all of my past companies, thinking about it, it's always been an open floor plan. The biggest thing, the closest thing we've had to cubicles is like a little divider uh, in between the SDRs. Yeah. So, you know, there's, it, it's one of those things that right or wrong, you kind of have to accept and adapt to. And, you know, and this is one of those things that we've tried to really embrace 
and make a positive where, hey, you know, some reps just naturally want to go into the corner, you know, into a room when they make calls and walk around and pace. And that can be distracting for other people on the team. So trying to figure out something that works for everybody and, you know, maybe the pacers, we kind of uh, put them in the end of the aisle so that they have some room where they aren't bumping into everybody. And, you know, we are limited on conference rooms here because, you know, we're just busting at the seams <laughs> growing and uh, never have enough space. So it's really being able to kind of make it work. And, you know, some of the other tactical things, right, are we, we do have these in the zone hours where everybody kind of is buckled down. They aren't just talking across desks and then start you know, a million different conversations every hour. It's okay to have that happen sometimes. I don't want to create a culture where people are just silently sitting at their desk making calls. I probably don't want to work at a company like that. And I don't think many other people would, it'd be probably hard to hire people if that was the culture we had. So, you know, I think you have to accept the fact that, hey, there will be some of these kind of conversations happening across desks that other people will uh, get involved with, but just kind of bucket those into smaller buckets of time. So maybe you have 10 minutes where everybody just, hey, takes a breather after really crushing dials or building contacts or researching those types of things and say, hey, let's all check our Instagram. Let's, you know, talk about the game that happened last night, all, all of those different things and kind of get it out of the system. Yeah. So even blocking like distraction time. Okay. It's distraction time. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat the shit out of it, man. Go. <laughs> but, yeah. and then, and then it's like call blitz time. And you know, with the open floor plan, like I think that the original idea, like when you think about it, it's really fun. It's collaborative. You can see everybody. It's very transparent. Like if someone's surfing the net and doing like weird stuff, you can see what they're doing. So it like kind of a forcing function that everyone's actually working because you never know, like somebody could walk up behind you. And it's also a lot cheaper. I think obviously a build out for an office is going to be a lot cheaper because you don't have to build all that stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages to it, but it's like, I, I love what you're saying. It's like, as a leader, you're actually setting up like the blocks of intense activity and and then it's it, you know it's okay it's like we're going to have a loud time and then we're going to have a quiet time and then we're going to you know have like distraction time and like block it out like that so to, to to take advantage of it so those are some awesome ideas i wanted to ask you like let's talk about conversica if if that's okay you know this came on the scene i started hearing about it like five like three or four years ago people were talking about it and like, what does it do? How does it help sales development reps and, you know, build pipeline? And like, what's what's going on over there if people are not familiar with it? Yeah. So I, I came on board here this year and actually, funny enough, was uh, evaluating the platform at my last company, Adaptus, when I was running marketing operations. And I've been drinking the Kool-Aid pretty hard. Uh, so, so forgive me if uh, that comes through too much, but it, it's pretty cool. But basically what uh, it enables is we give the ability to have sales teams and a lot of other teams and different things that we do. Uh, uh, gives the ability to have a hybrid workforce. And so how we do that is basically having human-like assistants that are able to book meetings for SDRs. 
And I said human-like because they're actually a digital assistant that's powered by an AI platform. Uh, so a little bit of kind of buzzwords and some future looking stuff, but it, it works and we use it internally. Uh, and it's, it's pretty crazy uh, how kind of this AI assistant can, can really drive kind of meetings from pretty much inbound leads. There's a couple of different use cases, but for the most part, our core business right now is uh, following up with inbound leads and then just kind of doing light qualification to the point where we know that they're either interested or not interested in booking me- booking a meeting and getting it to the, the SDR. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Got it. Okay. So, so, you know, someone on the operations side would set it up and they would get it all dialed in so that it's asking the right questions to be able to qualify before handing it over to the SDR. And then how does it work? Like, is it a chat box that's on the website? Or I know it's, if I send an email form through the website, it'll reply back to me, right? How does it work? Like from a customer perspective? Sure. So, Really, the core use case that we see most often is things like form fills, as you mentioned, anybody that submits their information or somehow raises their hand, right? Uh, I think we'll we'll just call that an inbound lead for now for uh, simplicity's sake, you know, which also can include things like trade shows, right? When those come in, typically, right, an SDR team, it, either whether you have a separate inbound team or a hybrid kind of inbound and outbound team, usually they're tasked with following up with those leads, right? And I think uh, for anybody who's been in the SDR game for a while, and I started, keep in mind, as an inbound SDR, that was my sole job is following up with these things. It's kind of funny, right? When I when I was an inbound SDR, I was, this was six or seven years ago, I was just thinking, man, there's got to be a better way to do this because what I'm doing is basically looking at the attributes of why these people came inbound, right? If they came from this trade show, if they downloaded this white paper, having somewhat of a boilerplate email mixed with some personalization about what they did and, you know, kind of send it off. And you don't have to be too sophisticated for somebody that raised their hand. They'll usually respond to you if they want to set up the meeting. That's what we do for on the behalf of SDR. So you don't have to kind of put them in a cadence of your own and remember to follow up and do all these steps. We do that on your behalf. So you just kind of are able to cherry pick the meetings and uh, take the people who are interested and don't have to waste time on the ones that clearly aren't. And to your answer question about kind of web chat, we right now don't do live web chat. It's all kind of post engagement follow up, but that's within five minutes of somebody filling out a form our assistant reaches out to get in touch with the prospect. And we've done quite a extensive research on kind of what is best practice and what conversion rates people see with different types of messages, different response times, the touch sequences over, you know, say eight times in two weeks. So anyway, again, yes. drinking the Kool-Aid, but... <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, and, and, and I asked this, I just I'm personally interested people ask me about it and they they want an update and you know it, it's funny because a lot of 
inbound leads, and you probably have better stats on this, but a lot of inbound leads are never actually followed up on by anybody because people are just like, this is a bunch of crap. I, I, I don't want to waste my time calling all these people because they're too low level or they're just kicking the tires. Like humans make decisions on these things. And there's some crazy stats out there that like most of the inbound leads that you spend all this money producing, never nobody ever calls or, or follows up on. And so it seems like with what you're saying, I mean, could you like unleash your system on all the inbound leads that you have in your system, you know, somebody has? Yeah. And, and so and I've been on both sides of the fence, right? So I've, you yeah. know, I've spent most of my time on the sales side and I, I ran a marketing ops team actually for about a year at Aptis before coming here. And so I've been on that other side of the fence where, you know, I've seen cost per lead and you know, it's really surprising to see kind of what the cost per lead is. I uh, recommend an ESDR really digging into that because it gives you a much greater respect for the inbound sure. leads that are driven um, yeah. when you really get a sense for, you know, how much money the company actually spends on them. And, you know, yes, there, you could unleash this on any inbound lead. Typically, you know, it, it is tied to kind of marketing campaigns, right? So trade shows is a, a pretty clear example of, you know, where the value could come in for something like this, where let's take Dreamforce as an example. You know, I think, Anybody listening out there as an SDR that has participated in Dreamforce in the past, you know, a lot of it is about kind of if we bucket it into pre and post event, you know, before the event, you're following up with a ton of people who maybe came to Dreamforce in the past, people who have Salesforce and trying to basically drive pre-booked demos or meetings at the event. And that's a huge time suck, right? That's most of your, what is it, September is <laughs> yeah. really kind of pushing that. And then after the event, now you've got this huge list of people who, you know, you scan their badge at an event. Who knows how good those people are, right? There's especially the free day at Dreamforce, right? There's like, who knows who off the street trying to get some, uh, some swag. <laughs> you know, do you really want to follow up with all those people, you know, eight times over two weeks and, and so on? Probably not. So I would, you know, I would suggest and you know from you know this is kind of from running teams in the past you really want to kind of focus your efforts on your for your SDR team on things that are human right things where they're creating value where they're making these human connections not necessarily playing marketing so that's kind of the bridge that we build between that sales and marketing world for inbound leads yeah cuz if you if you think about the sales development process like if you followed around a sales development rep all day and you, you like, I mean, nobody's going to do that. I mean, maybe somebody, else, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'll do it someday, but, but you literally follow them around all day with a notebook and you're like, what, what are the actual activities that they're doing? You could literally like break their job into discrete, you know, parts. And then anything that's like the rote repetitious automate, you know, it can be automated and anything that's human, that's the actual personality and the persuasiveness and the relentlessness, you know, to get the meeting and stuff like that, that you, I mean, we're not, I, we're not there yet. As far as I know, some of those Boston dynamic robots are freaking <laughs> scary, but as far as I know, we cannot replace that yet. And so what you're saying with your solution is like, let's take away those parts that are just like 
automated repetitious stuff and potentially get more opportunities and then leave more time for the human aspect. Exactly. Right. And I would, I would also say to your point earlier, right. I think if we really dig into the data and I've done this on both sides as leading SDR teams and running marketing ops, it just doesn't happen. Right. For, for good reason, I'd say, right. Again, going back to that Dreamforce example, like, do you want to follow up with that person who came in off the street to get, you know, your magnet <laughs> or whatever was at right. your booth. No, but there might be some needles in the haystack, right? Of those thousands of leads that came in, there might be a couple that are good, but you know, you don't want to follow up with all of them. We, we've done again, like we have something, I think we've conversed with 300 million people through our AI assistance. So you could imagine the data that we've collected and kind of what we've seen as best practice. And we, we actually publish out some of this research and we also at the same time, uh, secret shop companies. And we kind of offer this to you. If anybody wants us to secret shop you, we're happy to, and we'll provide the data for kind of what's really happening from a lead follow-up perspective. And we, uh, I've, one of the really cool things that we publish out is we call it the four P's report. So we kind of measure this follow-up process. And this was a really, before I was at Converseca, I thought this was really cool where you know, it was kind of the aha moment for me. I was like, these are the four things how for how you should measure uh, inbound lead follow-up. And so the four P's are prompt, promptness, how quickly do you follow up, which, you know, everything shows that within five minutes of a hot inbound lead coming in, maybe not a trade show lead, but somebody filling out a form, it's significantly higher. And uh, the report, four P's report shows exactly how much higher significantly higher response rate if you follow up within five minutes. Then there's persistence, right? I think we all know this. You know, you want to follow up something like eight times over two weeks. Well, two-thirds of people give up after one or two attempts. So, and I think, like, we talk about this all the time, but, you know, it, it never seems to get better, even with, you know, all the platforms out there that we can, we can get. It's, you know, we're always attracted to the new shiny object, <laughs> of course. The the third uh, P is yep yeah, yep. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, and and okay, third P. Put a bookmark there because I want to know what it is. But yeah, I was just saying. I mean, you know, like I totally see the use case moving forward of anything that comes in. But it's like what I'm. I also want to talk to you about. I'm gonna. I want to let you finish that. But I want to talk to you about like what about the hundred thousand leads that I have in the database right now that we spent tons of money on. We got all these names. There could be gold in there. What do we do with those? So third P, and then we'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So third P is personalization, right? Uh, kind of a no-brainer. Like, hey, use the attributes of what the person did in the past to engage with you. Use their name, all of those things, right? And then fourth is performance, right? Actually getting your email through to the inbox so it doesn't get caught in spam. Yeah. Uh, something that doesn't get talked about a lot, but 50% of business emails end up in spam. So those what? are the four P's. Holy yeah. crap, dude. I know that for sure. I mean, I, I know that I know that I go in there. I mean, Google is, is nuts. I mean, they're just like they, they put everything in spam and then they hope for the best. And so, I mean, if you take away anything from this, you guys, uh, you know, listening on the podcast, go in after this and check your spam folder because there may be some <laughs> really good leads in there. But yeah, I do. Okay. So th that's, that's great information. Can we download that report somewhere or get the four P's 
Yeah. If they go to your website. Yeah. The one from our 2017 research is on our website and we're publishing out the new one pretty soon. We've collected all the data and we're, we're putting it all together. So, okay. All right. Yeah. So I want to, I, I want to add like, how can you reuse this retroactively? So like for the old names that may or may not be relevant anymore, can you use Conversica to reach out to them and try to drum up some, some interest? Yes, the the redheaded step stepchild leads uh, from the past. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we one thing that we I mean we use our own product internally, and so we you know I could tell you a million different stories about our customers, but you know how, how we use it is we uh, have reengage campaigns. So three months or so after a lead comes inbound, we send the assistant back after them to follow up and everything kind of drives to a meeting, right? So check back in, you know, say, hey, I know that you did XYZ action before. Hey, is there, it's been three months. Is there any interest, right? And it's just constantly um, tapping into the database and 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 driving meetings from it. And it, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, funny story, my, my second day at Conversco is actually, I was at the Topo conference. We were, uh, had a booth there and, I was on the floor. I always seem to end up on a trade show for like my first or second day at new companies. <laughs> yeah. so, I don't know how that all yep. works out. But so anyway, I was at that conference in front row or, or something for uh, the VP of marketing from MongoDB, who I didn't even know was a customer of ours at the time, being my second day. The last 10 minutes of his presentation was about how he was using Conversica. So I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I guess I made the right choice. And he was talking about how they booked 160 opportunities in six months from uh, basically leads that their sales team kind of discarded and, you know, uh, DQ'd essentially. So I was like, okay, that this is awesome, right? You know, kind of a vote of confidence for the move that I made at least. But, nice. uh, a really good story too, kind of, because those leads just get forgotten, right? They totally. All by the way, wayside. Yeah, I mean, and and I, a friend of mine uh, who runs an outsourced SDR company, I mean, that's the first thing that they do. They go in, they go, give me all your leads that you've ever, you know, produced in the last five years. And, you know, they just start calling all those people because there's gold in there. And, and it's, I think... I think we touched on it, but it's the human, the human element of looking at a list and going, there's nothing here. You know, I think that's, that decision is costing companies like millions and millions of dollars every year because a human is making it. It may not be the right decision. It may be the right decision, but you should plug in something like Conversica to find out and, you know, stir things up. Now, who do you compete against? Is, yeah, is it's there a any competitor to what you're doing? Man, it's a funny question, right? We, I know you're going to say no, nobody, but... Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a more complicated answer than nobody. Because, <laughs> we, you know, in a sense, we compete philosophically with some companies. Like, so if you think about uh, companies with chatbots, right? If you think about Drift, Olark, and these companies, who we actually use internally. If you go to our website, you can chat with our team. That's interesting. Hopefully they're on the chatbot service and you know but we, we use those internally but you know phys philosophically like we want you to fill out a form on a website because that's you know we need to collect or you need to collect uh 
per- the prospect's email address and name, basically, and ideally drive some kind of action for us to follow up versus somebody live on the website. But we don't really compete with them. Again, we use them internally, and it's not like a head-to-head competition. We embrace web chat and think it's really cool. But uh, yeah, there's there's really nobody else to the scale that we are doing this kind of conversational AI assistant. And uh, it's I'm sure there will be. There you go, but. folks. I mean, because <laughs> uh, they just made a huge round of funding, right? I mean, there must be doing something right over there. It's probably your leadership of building the pipeline. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really, you know, I, I you know, went out to VCs and they, they just, <laughs> I sold them. It's mainly <laughs> because of what you've been doing with the SDR team. So, no, hey, you know what? We are critically important and leveraging the tool. I think it's, I think it's freaking awesome. Let me ask you this. Looking forward, wh- what do you think is going to happen with this industry that you're in? Are, are you going to become swallowed up by another company that's trying to do this, a bigger company? Are you going to be independent? I mean, do you, do you feel like there's a future? I mean, you guys are right on the cusp of the future. So where is this going in the next couple of years? Yeah, you know, it's something I think about a lot. And, you know, it's I don't think we have the time to get into all of it, David. Maybe we can uh, grab beers in San Francisco at some point and uh, <laughs> talk about two. all kinds of things. But I, I think uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I think I don't that, drink, but I, I, I'll tea. get a uh, yeah, I'll get a cup of probably, tea with you. Probably <laughs> easier to find kombucha spots in San Francisco than uh, watering holes. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so what do you think in the in the next you know one minute? Like, where are we going with all this? Yeah, I think, you know, really focusing on the customer experience is is going to be the way things go. And if you think about the customer experience, right, it, it starts with uh, kind of just somebody out there that might have a little bit of interest or might, might not even know your product to somebody that's maybe a lead in your system to somebody that is engaged and becomes an opportunity and, you know, the whole life cycle to them becoming a customer and renewal. I think um, the the real winner in the space or the company that is going to really drive, maybe absorb other companies is the one that's going to control this whole end-to-end customer experience. It's something that we realize and we're, we have a lot of other assistants that beyond sales that we're, we have and are continuing to roll out. And so, you know, it's, it's something that we're moving aggressively towards but who knows, right? If uh, I had the actual answer to that, then I'd probably be a VC uh, and go raise a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which might be coming, or driving race cars most of the day. You know, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I look at when you, <laughs> when you describe the future, there's a big looming tower in downtown San Francisco that is above the fog <laughs> and looking out <laughs> into the future. And it's like... I'm in San Mateo and can okay. see it. Yeah, you can yeah. see I can see it. <laughs> I can see it there from my house. So big, that damn thing. They're they're taking over the world. But at least the guy seems like a good guy. So anyways, Addison, dude, this has been so interesting, man. I mean, I, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. We got to get you back on. You know, it'd be cool to do uh, do like a call, like a webinar on, you know, how to how to break out the, the SDR process for people, like like how to chart it out. And then how to plot out, you know, what can be automated and what is the human element and stuff like that. So there's an idea. We'll we'll do round two at some point. 
I love it. You hear, heard it here first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. All I, right. So, what, David, one more thing. Yeah. I have to give you and the 10 Bound team a huge shout out. Uh, the sales development conference. I sent a couple SDRs, newer SDRs. You started in the last uh, month or so before the conference started. And they still, months later, talk about how awesome it was and how many great thought leaders they met. They were kind of starstruck meeting uh, a lot of people there and getting face-to-face conversations. But they had an amazing time. Again, still talk about it. I think it helped their ramp time by a couple of months at least just from really getting absorbed into kind of the whole SDR world. So thank you for putting that together and everything that you do for the SDR world. Oh, man, thank you. I appreciate that so much. I I was spent yesterday and I'm going out again tomorrow to scout locations for this year's. It's going to be August 23rd. It's a Friday. It's way before Labor Day. So you have no excuse. It goes right into Friday. And it's not at the end of the month. It's not at the end of the quarter. Uh, (laughs) So we have no excuse this year. It's going to be in downtown San Francisco. And very quickly, what we're excited about is we're shooting for 500 people. So almost double the amount of last year. And we're going to have three tracks, which is really cool. You heard it here first. We're going to have leadership, rep, and operations, right? So anybody who's just a total nerd on operations of how to run a tight you know, ship on the operations side for sales development, you got to be there this year. So yeah, dude, thank you so much. Let's get the whole crew this year. Addison, and we'll see you in August for sure. Awesome. (laughs) You'll find me in the operations room. Nice. (laughs) I'll have to nerd out all day. (laughs) Cool, man. Well, thanks again. Connect with Addison on LinkedIn and then jump on Conversica, download some of those reports. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. And Addison, thanks again. Have a great day. All right. Thank you, David. Thanks everybody for listening to me. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.